Welcome to another Bitcoin and Beyond podcast. I'm Ben Kassner. This podcast is powered by AAX, the first exchange to make the switch to the Satoshi standard to drive the adoption of Bitcoin. Don't forget to follow us here, as well as across all our social media, and be part of the conversation. So we find ourselves in a bit of turbulent times at the moment. You know, we know that uh, regulatory structures are being raised as we speak, and there's, you know, the media, they're picking up on some, they're picking up on some very negative narratives. And at the same time, we're getting endorsement after endorsement, right? The latest one from Ray Dalio, where he said that he would rather own Bitcoin than government bonds. So in this video, I specifically want to talk about the importance of hodling and how kind of the notion of scarcity works into that. So as we know, Bitcoin can only ever have 21 million Bitcoin, and it's often described as the hardest, hardest form of money ever created or as kind of a digital gold or gold 2.0. These narratives are quite familiar though. So in, in this video, I just want to kind of focus on the idea of scarcity. And so often when we talk about scarcity, we think of a very positive thing. We think, yeah, Bitcoin is so scarce, so this is what everybody wants. And maybe it's true. But scarcity in society is not always a positive thing, right? Um, you can think of job opportunities. So if, if jobs are scarce, then you'll see unemployment, You'll see employers lowering working standards uh, and generally living standards go down. Or in Hong Kong, you can see there's a, a kind of scarcity around uh, uh, housing. So it's very expensive to live in Hong Kong. Uh, and when you do rent something, it's probably not going to be very big. Or even during COVID, remember when uh, toilet paper became scarce and suddenly everybody's running to the supermarkets and you just can't, can't, can't find any toilet paper. It's ridiculous. So uh, scarcity is not always positive. But it can be a desirable, uh, can be a desirable quality, especially uh, when we talk about money. Now, of course, despite the fact that scarcity can have a detrimental effect on society, it is not necessarily undesirable. Scarcity is desirable in many instances, and so throughout history, we can see human civilization is always in search of scarce and durable assets that they can either use as a form of currency or uh, kind of as collateral to back their money with, right? And wherever we've seen kind of economies that have been tied to scarce assets such as gold, we've seen relative stability. And with Bitcoin, it's no different. Bitcoin has the capacity to bring integrity to an economy and to bring more uh, balance into an economy. And uh, while at this moment, Bitcoin is mostly used as a store of value, uh, you know, as we can see from our previous video with Leo Wees, there's a lot of work being done around payments, especially with the, the Lightning Network and other such initiatives. And I think that is very promising for the future of Bitcoin. All right, so what does this have to do with hodling? So for that, we have to look at Bitcoin's adoption and the kind of progression that it's gone through. We know it started very small in the corners of the internet with like developers and people on, on, on forums and speculators and also bad actors and hackers on Silk Road. Um, but against that, entrepreneurs, high net worth individuals, retail traders, and eventually we can see family offices, fund managers, uh, endowments, and now even sovereign wealth funds. And so I think it's only a matter of time before we can see central banks coming into Bitcoin. So there's a kind of logical progression that we can think about or a likely progression when it comes to central banks. So first of all, think of like the rogue nations, you know, those that are dealing with hyperinflation or those that have been cut off from the SWIFT network. And they want to be involved with global trade and Bitcoin could be the answer for them. And that's not necessarily a positive thing, but we have to see the progression. Think of smaller island states that are already dependent on a kind of global digital economy. And, and lastly, 
Think of the powerful nation states. Even if they don't support Bitcoin, sooner or later, those central banks may have to hold Bitcoin simply as a hedge against its own success. So, you know, it is not at all unreasonable to think that in, in, in a future economy, in a future society that is most likely going to be way more distributed in terms of population and perhaps even kind of spanning into space, it is not at all strange that we as a humanity are going to adopt a digital commodity as a kind of core store of value. And, and not just that, also as a reference point against which all goods and services can be priced. So what does this mean for price? I don't know. Talk about it with your friends. Uh, but overall, I can say that, you know, if we look at the last 12 years, it's been pretty rewarding. And we're still talking about the kind of early stages of Bitcoin adoption. So if we want to look 50 years ahead, I can imagine that hodling is pretty much the best thing to do. And so when we look at the FUD around us and we look at all the negativity in the media or even, you know, the discussions around the green energy debate, yes, we can be responsive. But no, we should not be scared and sell. And that's not financial advice. That's just life, life advice. But I do want to issue a small warning, and that is, you know, most of the Bitcoin today is not with the developers. It is not with the kind of initial investors in Bitcoin, right? It's, it's moved through cycles and it's currently with the, the corporate treasuries, right? With the Michael Saylors, uh, the high net worth investors, the big whales, the institutional investors. It's coming. And there is a scenario where we can see the majority of Bitcoin ending up on the central bank treasury. And so that's not necessarily a problem, but it is. If, if you personally want to benefit from this growth. And so I believe that throughout all the FUD and uh, throughout all the commotion and against all the criticisms, the best thing that you can do today and tomorrow and perhaps next year and perhaps in 50 years is hold a bit.